This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Blue Monday podcast covering Ipswich since 2015. My name is Benjamin Bloom, and you are watching or listening to the flagship show available each and every Monday. So for a sometimes entertaining, always informative hour or more football conversation, make your Monday Blue Monday. Um, as Dave would say, let me stop you there. If you're listening on the podcast, head over to YouTube because it's a very special show today. We are celebrating going past 500 500 episodes of the Blue Monday podcast. I think we're at 5.02 today, given our um, prodigious output during the week. And we look like the Brady Bunch, someone said in the chat, um, because there's seven of us here. Let's say hello to Mikey Penty-Smith. Hello. Hello, everyone. Thanks thanks for having me, Ben. You're, ve- you're very, very welcome. Got the, got the call up for the seven aside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, all the good people didn't turn up, yeah? Yeah, none of the good ones turned up. But, yeah? You know. Richard, you're you're here as well. I'm here as well. I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm just waiting for it to all go technically wrong, but so far, well, so good. It's you've not been very professional. It has already all gone yeah. technically wrong, hasn't it? And this is... We're six minutes into a recording, but you're only going to hear the last minute of that. I'll stick the uh, bloopers up on our YouTube channel later on, yeah. <laughs> please don't. Uh, Craig Fimbo. Fimbo. Hello. The return of the Lost Palmas Seven. Oh, <laughs> now you're talking. Now you're oh. talking. Oh well, that's David Diamond. David. Hello. And you've got you've got some some good news about your um your genetic offspring, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm expecting. I'm expecting. We're going to welcome a little granddaughter into the family in April. First one. And, and as much as your wife wouldn't have minded what gender the baby was going to be, she's not unhappy that it's quite female. Delighted <laughs> quite delighted about it, I think it's fair to say, yeah. Joe Fares, out of shot, has toilet roll. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not going to speak, apparently. Man flu, isn't it? I was Man going to say, flu. Joe, it's for a cold, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, hoping, to be, I'm hoping to be clear of it by tomorrow. I've got a big, big meeting in Brightland Sea tomorrow, so I'll be down in, on Craig's Ooh. door. Oh, sorry oh. to hear that. Right, we're going to do an important technical test that's going to be so slick, you're not going to notice. Seb, unmute yourself. Seb. How you doing? You okay? I'm all right. We got, got a little bit of echo, didn't we? Yeah, I'll ride, I'll ride the mute button, don't worry. You ride that mute. Actually, leave yourself unmuted. I, I think it's sounding all right now. Um, so, yeah, we could just go around and have a nice chat. Uh, you're still thinking about the bad news, aren't you? Um, we're going to get out Ben's swingometer for the first time in the show tonight. Now... You've only got three seconds to answer, and I'm going to come round in the order. We did this on show 400. So, from the moment the final whistle went on podcast show number one in August 2015, August the 9th, how many league positions have Ipswich Town dropped? Mikey Penty Smith, what's your answer? Three. Two, 25. One, 25. Richard Woodward, what's your answer? 30. 
Uh, Craig Fimbo. Yeah, 31. Joe Fares. Then my two answers gone, so I'll say 29. <laughs> Seb. Uh, 27. David Diamond. Uh, 28. <laughs> okay, there we go. Mikey Penny Smith, what was your thinking? Or do you just know the answer? You, you, put, you, you put me under pressure. Um, I'm just a really smart bloke, basically. Yeah, we have so. dropped 25 places. So after drawing with Brentford 2-2 on the opening Blue Monday podcast of all time, Ipswich were ninth in the championship. That's 29th in the pyramid. They're currently uh, 10th in League One, which is 54th in the pyramid. So that is a drop of 25 places. We will be revisiting Ben's swingometer later. <laughs> I'm, I'm like Peter Snow, aren't I? But we've delayed it long enough. Um, like David and Seb, we are off to Sunderland. David, you, you were there. Tell us about this away pub and this singer-songwriter. Mainly oh, words, man. Different, different gravy. Different gravy. So the Wheat Sheep, which I think Craig, Craig had been to before. So yep. it's a designated away pub literally what three or four hundred yards away from the stadium um and it's a guy called wee philly <laughs> a um obviously sunderland fan who sort of comes on comes on with a very silly top hat obviously he was getting no <laughs> end of dogs he was getting dogs abuse from the ipswich fans for that but yeah it was good he does a bit dj and he's playing a bit of jam and stuff like that it was great and he was getting these i mean you can tell what sort of how it's going to turn out first no second ipswich guy got up and he was getting them to sort of go on stage and play little games Basically, this guy, um, they made him strip down to his boxes (laughs) and then made him walk outside. So it was a big bay window. They pulled back the curtains. So he was outside the pub and he had to do 20 star jumps outside the pub (laughs) on the pavement. (laughs) So, yeah, that was that was a kind of pre-match entertainment there. Went down an absolute storm. The place was absolutely rocking. But my God, it was hot and it was packed. Yeah, that was uh, before you got on. We were deriding Mikey for. Um, watching I'm a Celebrity and that being lowbrow, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Northern was... culture. But however, what he did say, which obviously did win, we did certainly win favour with the town fans. I think it was the best following they'd had in the pub from an away team so far this season. So, um, the yeah, chills were ringing. Seb, were you in this pub? No, I walked past it and saw how big it was. <laughs> oh, you're basically on star jumps. I thought he was going to say worse than that. I thought he was going to say, no, I walked past and saw Dave, so I just kept on going. I saw how busy it was and kept walking and went to a similarly rammed pub, but there was no no entertainment there, unfortunately. Oh, sensational. Um, Joe, was I wrong to be optimistic? Mikey, um, I still have Mikey's words in my head about Ipswich not turning up and winning a hard game for the last 15 years. And then off they go to Wickham. Um, what were your thoughts going into this one, Joe? I was, I was quietly confident for the game. I think Sunderland looked a team that were there for the taking and sort of I only listened to the game on Suffolk yesterday. And Alex Maffey repeatedly said, this game is there to be won. We just need to go and win it. Like They, they look shell-shocked, but it was a case of needing to score when we were on top. Craig, here is your Ipswich lineup. Um, it was uh, Welton in goal. Danassian, Enciala, Edmondson. Clements gets another start. Evans, Morsi, uh, Luco, Selina, Edwards and Bon. Thoughts on that, Craig? Um. Just a bit of a shame that Burns was injured or, in, yeah, injured really because they had a makeshift left-back. They Luco 9 was playing left-back and um, I don't think the Sunderland fans particularly rate him as a, as a midfielder and they don't particularly rate him as a right-back and he was not even playing either of those two positions. He was a out-of-position, out-of-position left-back. But unfortunately, we didn't really have a, a flying winger to, to take him on. But um, I think pretty much the only... Other two positions would have been the other the other two behind Bond. Really, was the number ten, which could have been Selena or or Chaplin, and and uh, Edwards might have been might have been Fraser. Really, so um, yeah, no real no real complaints before the match. You know, just you, you, these guys can't argue they're not being given a, a fair crack of the whip, can they? You agree with that, Rich? Yeah, I I I, I agree with Craig. I mean, we're debating on the pre-match show about Selena. And Chaplin, it does feel exceedingly harsh. And Chaplin himself has said he thought it was a bit, bit harsh as well. Maybe not those words because you're not going to bury your manager in the press. But um, and and I guess worth mentioning that Bailey Clements got another 
run out at left back um, and certainly a, a much more daunting prospect for him than Oldham away and Portman Road, which is a, a friendly crowd that's going to support one of their own. So good to see that continuity for him because he, if he's going to make that left back spot, his only needs to play games there. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Chaplin's been quite hard done by. And yeah, we did speak about Bond needing maybe a, a bit of time out of the limelight as well to regroup as well. But who's going to come in and start at Sunderland away? No one really. So no real arguments for that. Um, Sunderland 11 here. Um <laughs> Ron Thorbin Hoffman. That one caught me out. I should have done my research, shouldn't I? Um, O'Neill, Doyle, Wright, Winchester, Evans, Neil, Broadhead, Embleton, Gooch and Stewart. Um, Mikey, Sunderland um, started the season very, very well, didn't they? We all kind of like, oh, finally, OK. This is the season Sunderland get things together and score 90 points and get promoted, etc. But a bit of a bit of a drop off um, recently. What were what were your thoughts having seen both elevens? Well, having having seen looking at the teams on paper, I, th- I think I think we've got the stronger team. But I think it, we'd maybe had a, we'd lost a little bit of confidence in the last few games. So I did wonder whether we were going to whether we were going to score in this game. And I, I quite fancied Rich's nil nil prediction because um, I I thought that we'd be pretty solid and it sounded like for most of the game we were but we didn't really well we never seemed to carve open loads of chances and I just saw us going up to Sunderland and I know this is maybe a bit of a football cliche and this is what fans of all teams say but I'm always more worried when we play a team that's a, a decent team that's out of form I always feel like they're about to turn it on against us um, I, I think all fans say that but I guess we've got Rotherham on Tuesday night and I'm not sure I'll be any more confident going into that one because they're absolutely <laughs> flying, aren't they? Right, let's um, lean on Seb and Dave now, although um, I don't know how much of the goal down the other end you can see from up in the gods there at Sunderland. But um, from what I understand from uh, you guys, first half was a bit of a missed opportunity, Seb. Very much so. We we dominated the ball for the, definitely for the first sort of 30 minutes or so and we didn't just didn't take our chances. Selena had a couple, didn't he? Two buys at the cherry in one effort, and then Bon overhead kick back to the keeper's uh, keeper's arms, and and we should have been two or three up at half time. You know, we're knocking the ball around quite nicely. Uh, Aluko was causing problems down the down our right hand side. He didn't have the pace to you know sort of knock it past like Burns would, but he was he was making space for himself and being intelligent and coming back in field. And Danassian was getting forward nicely, and it was all working quite quite nicely. We just we just lacked that. That, that attacking edge up front and Selena had one of those games you know where he kind of struggles from the off and you can kind of tell how it's going to be I don't know if you agree with that Dave but how he sort of you know, you know when he's, he doesn't start great his touch isn't brilliant and you start to just, think well is it one of those days for him he's a funny player Selena for me he's just careless sometimes I think he's just careless with the balls he's so technically good and there were times in the first half he was just sloppy with the ball and you know probably his best chance might have been the one he scuffed through to the keeper even even Perhaps more so, well, perhaps equally on a par with the other two. Not that one, the one before when he scuffs it. Um, one, yeah, yeah he, uh, he, he's just he's, he's got so much, and he should just dominate games in that division, shouldn't he? But yeah, he was just again just not slightly just slightly off yesterday's touch. wasn't bad. Perhaps making bad decisions. Okay, the chances fell to him, and he didn't take them yesterday. Perhaps those chances fall to Bon, and he'll scuff one in the corner. That's the ones he hit straight at the keeper. He just hit them too cleanly, didn't he? He could have sliced one from the position he was in and it probably ended up in the far corner because if we'd have scored first yesterday, they would have gone. They were they were not a good side. In fact, one of the worst sides I've seen this season. First half evidence, they were awful. And Seb would say, they just played like the away team. They certainly played like the away team. There was no way we were going to break on them. They just didn't allow that. They just sat so deep. You agree with that, the, um Absolutely, yeah. They were they weren't looking forward at, oh. at all. I think they got in once, and uh, they put oh nine. I think put a cross in, and and Ross Stewart kind of takes a, a, a swing at it, and it goes out for a throw in. And they they offered absolutely nothing. <laughs> I thought the atmosphere was really strange as well. You know, our end was absolutely bouncing, but in the Sunderland end, it. it was absolutely dead. No, there was nothing at all. It wasn't until the probably the seventy fifth, seventy seventh minute they started to yeah. get behind the team a little bit. There were a few nasty challenges. They were they were flying in and taking people out left, right, and centre. I think there were two or three yellows in the first half for them, but. From an attack point of view, they offered, they offered absolutely nothing. A yeah, bad one on Edwards. Really bad one on Edwards. Yeah, very. Are you going to come in there, Craig? Yeah, I was say, well, I managed to fly over to the Netherlands yesterday and watch the match over there um, on iFollow. <laughs> so <laughs> I am... Um, but what was... 
<laughs> as Dave was saying about those, it took me about ten chance, seconds to get that joke. <laughs> chances fall into to Bonnie instead of um, Selena. If they'd have fallen to Chaplin, it'd have stuck. Well, away, good point. Be. Good point. Yeah, you know, he's he's more of a goal scorer than Selena is. But as Seb was saying about the crowd, you could tell on on the I follow um, that ten minutes in, the crowd were getting edgy and starting to moan and groan at, uh, at Sunderland already ten minutes in. So you imagine what we'd have done, what they'd done if we'd actually managed to score a bloody goal. Uh, Joe, anything more on the first half? Well, I sort of mentioned on sort of the commentary, Alex Matthews just sort of saying, look, these are here for the taking. We've just got to get a goal because they are just not playing well. They're, they're edgy. The crowd is edgy. It's just, you've just got to score now. And if you if you score now, the game's going to be over. But I say Selena gets on the end of a couple of chances and like I say, just doesn't find a goal. Hits a target with all of them, which sometimes is what you, is all you can ask sometimes. But it's just frustrating that they don't go in. But then... We're not a we're not a side that creates a huge amount of chances. We seem to test the keeper nowhere near enough when we're on top of games. Like when you look at the previous few games, sort of Oxford yesterday, these keepers are making two or three saves, and it's sort of enough to for us not to score. And you wonder, are we now hitting a, a run of sort of our goal scoring form has gone a little bit out of the window, haven't you? With sort of Oxford not scoring, Colchester not scoring, Oldham getting. One in one game, two in the other. Not scoring again yesterday. Why do you think the goals are dried up, Rich? I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, there is something in the in the personnel there. I, I like the um, attacking ometer and um, that's on sofa score, and the bars are really are really narrow for both teams. They really don't suggest that either team was having too much dominance. There was some sustained stuff. You can see it there. Um, I I, I, th- I think this has been a perennial issue throughout the season, and, and it's to Joe's point, is that the chances we create are generally the ones we score, and there's very little else, you know. And if we don't score them, like we did against Oxford and like we did on Saturday, it makes a difference. It's, it's different. We're not rubbish. I mean, this is – Twitter's gone all crazy, as it usually does, and I can kind of understand the frustration. But it's not as if on Saturday it sounded like – we were second best for large periods and not in the game and not trying to do something. It just feels to me that we're reliant really heavily on Bon. And when Selena isn't at it, there's no chance creation there. Edwards, I don't know whether, whether Seb and Dave, Aluko and Edwards were creating much out on the wide positions. Because if that doesn't first, happen, there's first no, off, there's no yeah, at all. It's, I think um, Seb Seb got it right, and Craig mentioned him. You know, Burns. That game was sort of pretty much crying out for a bit of directness from Burns. Aluko was really good in his touch, really good first half, and he was twisting and dropping his shoulder. He wasn't actually sort of getting away from defenders that well, but he was creating space. Um, and yeah, a, a fit Burns, I think, would have made would have made a big difference in there yesterday. Just coming on what you oh, what you yeah. said, you're absolutely right. Actually, to right to the point. Look, um, goals per game one point nine. Uh, big chances per game, 1.8. And obviously, in terms of creating chances, you want the chance creation number to obviously be a fair amount, giving you headroom above the um, above the goals per game. So, yeah, good point. Um, Mikey, do you want to come I, I, in on? Sorry, just quickly as well. I think, on, I think whilst also we've conceded a lot more goals than we should have done on the XGs, when you look at those there, like we're sort of very much on the wrong side of that on the on the goal scoring side we're very much on the right side of it so I think it was always inevitable that we were going to start conceding less goals but we were going to start scoring less goals as well well you've got that um nasal thing can you just sing me a share song (laughs) (laughs) oh he's picked the one with auto-tune all over it hey hasn't he (laughs) doing me Uh, Mikey anything to add before all seven of us debate the same refereeing decision I was just about to talk about the XG and how we've kind of been outscoring our XG this season, haven't we? We were a little bit like Leicester a couple of seasons ago with Jamie Vardy and you're just wondering how we how wish. long... Well, but he, Macaulay Bon is kind of... that's a He's like yeah, a league fair. one Jamie Vardy for us, isn't he? He's, he's been scoring every time he gets a chance. And you just wondered how, how long can we maintain this? And I think a few people thought, oh, maybe Bon's going to get an injury, but instead it looks like he's he's starting to look less effective. Maybe teams are a little bit, they know a little bit more about him now and how to defend him. And he, was, to the he, mean. he was starved of service yesterday again. Seb, I don't know what you thought, but yeah, he was feeding again off scratch. He was actually feeding off scraps. All right, he had that rebound, you know, off the Selena chance. But other than that, but he, he, from, he, he had a volley block. He might have had a volley block first half, but 
Yeah. But he tends to feed off scraps when Chaplin's not playing more further at the pitch, along, not alongside him. But when Selena yeah. plays, he drops, he drifts, blah, blah, blah. When Chaplin plays, at least you know, Bob yeah, exactly. knows he's going to have someone. Almost he's got a striker, doesn't he? I'm yeah. just thinking, if you were to... if if. If we had Ben Swingometer and the question was the most common type of goal that we score, it's not from crosses, is it? We're not getting crosses in the box and headers. Set pieces we score a few of. We're not up through balls or over the top for Bon. So is it just passing in around the 18-yard box and creating a space for someone has a shot inside the 18-yard box? Is that how we... Transitions and down the sides, isn't it? It is transition. We've had a fair few with Burns, haven't we? Burns laying coming from the right-wing area. Um, into the second half, um, Dave, we'll come back to you. Um, our good old friend Aidan McGeady um, uh, comes in on 63. Paul Cook uh, pulls out Selena and puts Fraser in. Chaplin in for um, Edwards. Piggott's on at nil-nil. How did the um, second half shake out for you, Dave? Yeah, the game was petering out. The game was petering out to, a, to for what would have been for us, a disappointing nil-nil, honestly. Um the McGeady coming on, Clements wasn't wasn't great. He wasn't terrible, was he, said, But it was a couple of times, you know, the ball went under his foot. He just made, well, I remember first half, he just made, made a bad decision when to attack the ball and miss. Oh, oh. So that's just my light bell. That's just my <laughs> light bell. 500, everyone. Fireworks. Yeah, he did, you know. So, um, what a pro, he's still going. Oh yeah, but um, but what was I saying? Yeah, d- d- you know, McGeady coming on didn't really have any great effect on the game, did it? Really, not really. Yeah, oh, really okay, he took they, the corner, he scored the penalty, but much. barely they touched did. the ball. They yeah, still didn't, didn't really have... offer much at all, did they? I think that the, the, the nine header is the first effort they've had on on target, and they just they were happy to sit back and take the draw. Our like I said, our away we'd fans have been disappointed enough bit, with a, with a nil nil, really. So to, yeah. to, as it panned out, it was a kick and the proverbials, really. I spoke, well, I, I spoke to a couple of Sunderland fans after the game as well as sort of listening to it. And they seem to think that the subs for us just sort of killed the game really in that the two players we had that were able to carry the ball up the pitch and as the game yeah. started to stretch out, Selena and especially Edwards were the players that were sort of getting us 30, 40 yards up the pitch right. when we had the ball. And then when you sort of replace them for Chaplin and especially I think Fraser for Edwards, we just lost that outlet on that on that side, which drives up the pitch. Yeah, Fraser did okay. He created one really quite really decent chance for Chaplin, where which I'm not sure what he did with that Seb, did he? It was neither a shot or a cross. He just wellied it across the box, didn't it? He's a weird one. Yeah, I'm guessing he's trying to go across the keeper, wasn't he? But he just yeah, tried, I think he was trying to shape wrong. it and hit it with yeah. his yeah out, outside of his foot and hit it with his instep. But Fraser did okay. But yeah, you, yeah, you lost that movement up the pitch, obviously, when he came on. But Edwards, well, I thought yesterday, for me, he had one of his better games. He was very unlucky, wasn't he? That one in the first half where he gets to the around about the penalty spot and you know the it's two blocked. Sunderland players are there to block the shot. But I thought his decision making was better yesterday. And I was yeah, quite surprised definitely. he was the one that got hooked, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's go a couple of times though, hadn't he? Yeah, true. Let's go to said kicking the ghoulies on um minute eighty five here and this Opening goal, corner from Pritchard, I think, and it's it's horrible goal, isn't it? Uh, Walton gets lost. Three blue shirts, um, as Dave said in our fabled WhatsApp group, like a weak handshake. This header, uh, wasn't it? Uh, Craig, do you want to pick that mess apart? Yeah, well, I was chatting to the guys, um, like as you did pre-match, Ben, the what the folk um, podcast guys, and just saying to them this morning that you know Walton. You've been hanging your hat on Walton for the last however many weeks since he's been in the team. He's been coming and collecting crosses. He's been coming, you know, strong from corners. And then just as a complete brain fart in this instance, there's no real need for him to come for it. You saw in the, on the freeze frame there, there was NCR, there's Edmondson, there's Evans. Probably three of our taller players on the on the pitch isn't there at that, that particular time. Oh, nine doesn't even, doesn't even jump. He just drops on his head. He's near the corner of the six-yard box. It's a weak as piss header that just bounces into the into the floor and almost bounces over the over the bar but just a horrible soft weak goal to concede soft one Mikey 
Yeah, and Dave said that McGeady didn't um, make much of an impact, but he did get an assist and a goal, didn't he? No, that's what he um, said. I mean, you yeah. know, he yeah. corner and he got a penalty, but other than oh, that, he barely touched it. Pritchard was Pritchard on the No, it was Pritchard, sorry. Really You're right. It was always Pritchard. Terrible, before we get a million comments. It's a terrible corner, isn't it? It's yeah. like really floaty corner. One. Floaty one. But they expect to be headed back over, isn't it? They've just got stuck under the ball, and I think when the goalkeeper comes out, it causes confusion. Do you know it's what a lot gets... harder to get up for a header as a defender when your goalkeeper's coming. Do you know what got out. me there? There's so much traffic in our box. I still would get don't get well, we just don't leave uh, whoever sorry was a pigot on them, okay, for height, but just Samuel Chaplin, just leave him up top. So that means two of their players are out of the box. You had so much traffic to get through then. Yeah, it was a bad decision from Walton. There was a lot going on there and yeah, it was a soft goal because as Seb would say, he'd come for a corner. I can remember at least one, if not two corners, he came and caught as he normally would, didn't he? Yeah, stick someone nice on the post. Ball, isn't he? You know, you, you you put your money on him to to come out, claim it, and you know settle everything down. He did it a couple of times in the first half, and I guess he's got us out of jail a couple of times. That big save away at Wickham, didn't he? So, you know, he's he's played really well for us. But yeah, it was just just weak all round. Is it it's a good point. To, just to make yeah. Post. yeah, yeah, especially especially if you're bringing everyone back. Oh come on, boys! It doesn't need a that. It's a rubbish floaty corner. They've got a man on the near well, no, with that. In general, doesn't in general. need a man on the far have, post. Have a word with Francis with Jeffers. The defensive set piece coach. Right. Are you ready on the other Ben? You you either leave a player up or you have. I, I agree a with player that. on each post. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, because you're doing. I, otherwise, you're doubling up. But it's pretty normal to have one on the near post, and yeah, you know, sure. you can you can watch the corner come over. You know, the yeah. most dangerous area on a corner is um, hard into the near post. Isn't in, it? Yeah. When yeah. It's, the Martin Wagner special. All the against Norwich, yeah. All the um in in a game where his set plays were exemplary, Dave, weren't they? When we talk about our favourite, what one was good? <laughs> oh, you can see that now, Dave. <laughs> After all these years. Um, right. Speaking about conceding, uh, let's let's go around the room. So let me explain my understanding of the um handball law. Um, so we had a clarification in March from IFAB that said. Um, as the interpretation of handball incidents has not always been consistent due to incorrect applications of the law, i.e. everything was a penalty up until about March last season, um, the members confirmed that not every touch of a player's hand arm with the ball is an offence. In terms of the criterion of the hand arm making a player's body unnaturally bigger, it was confirmed that referees should continue to use their judgment in determining the validity of the hand arms position in relation to the player in that specific instance. So this is another beautiful example of IFAB writing the most fluffiest language around their laws. So basically the referee is never, ever wrong and you can't argue that the referee is wrong. So what we do know is that not every um, occasion of the ball hitting the arm in the penalty box is a penalty, um, which I think we all agree is... Good. I remember a ridiculous one against Newcastle on Sky last season. And the referee is to use his judgment in terms of the specific situation as to what the player is doing in terms of whether his arm is in an unnatural position, i.e. it's not uniform. It's not, oh, here's this silhouette. It's, a, it's what is the situation. So the situation, as I understand it here, is the ball is not going in the goal and it's been smashed at Enciala's arm from about probably a foot away. And he turns and... Try, well, should we get this still up? Let's have a look there. What would you reckon, Joe? Two feet? About a metre. Give me a yard. So three feet. Okay. Three feet um, away. And Enciala tries to turn his body and clearly is trying not to get his arm in the way so I think you can guess where I'm falling on this that this interpretation of the arm being in an unnatural position for my money is not a very good one um but I do agree with Paul Cook that by this point it didn't particularly matter and um the game was lost um who are we going to go to first on the laws of Joe go on I I personally think it probably is a penalty even though it's harsh because when he turns his arm is sort of like there, it's, it ends up quite far away from his body and does directly block the block the shot effectively. But I'd be 
like I say, it was 1-0. We, we weren't getting back into the game. It was game over at this point. So it's, it's easier to maybe be a little bit more clear-minded on it. But it, it just felt to me that when you see it in real time, you just think, what on earth is he giving? Because it just looks like it hits him in the, almost in the face and just goes up in the air. And then you don't really consider anything more of it. But when you slow it down, depending on the angle the ref's got, I didn't see him on the freeze frame. He does seem to... His, his arm does look quite far away from his body and it my problem like is we ones. shouldn't be judging these on freeze frames the situation lasts for more than a frozen um you know a frozen picture um i think for my money and i know i've said a lot already i think the only way that's a penalty is if the ball's going in the goal and i, I yep. think it's going to hit dave or seb in the in the top I suppose tier. it's hard for the ref to tell whether that's going into the goal or not from where it was. But I mean, I you normally look is, at the Joe. reaction of the players, don't you? And no one, no one really appeals. But you don't know whether that's because of the game state or whether they don't. Stuart, Stewart's but... reaction is interesting. Who hits it? He doesn't appeal, and then when the rest gives it, he's giving it all, but he doesn't yeah. appeal for it. Let's just get some more opinions on this arm in unnatural position or not, Richard. It's, you know, I like this because I'm going to agree with Joe. Um, and I can't really sum it up much more apart from the only thing that I would say, I agree with Joe about the position of Enciana's arm or hand, is that most defenders in that position these days are now tuned in in their brains to have their arms behind their back, don't they? They don't understand to avoid that exact situation that even it just catches a flailing arm or hand. They usually tuck their arms behind their back in Enciana. Maybe I know it's quite quick action, but I think most defenders in that situation know to do that now instinctively. So I agree with Joe that it's probably in the le- in the way that's been interpreted is fair by the referee. Is it harsh? Yes, it is. Does it matter now? Probably not. I Can don't I think Var would overturn it. Can I push back on that? I don't think players put their I think players put their arms behind their back when they're six to ten yards away from a shot that they might have to turn. Okay. I think Inciala is in, engaging in a tackle, and I don't think you put your arms. But it's all a fun debate, isn't it? Yeah. Mikey? I think it's one of those that in, in the Premier League, if that was not given, VAR would not have given it as a penalty. Because it's not think... clear and obvious. Because it's not clear and obvious. VAR, That's not really what the debate is here. But but had let me finish, Joe. If, if, if the ref had have given it, I think VAR probably would have, would have gone along with it because you could argue that it is yeah. a slightly unnatural position. But like you say, Ben, because the ball because the ball is flying up into the second tier, and also it's a little bit harsh on um, people with long arms and big hands <laughs> as well. And I, I'm going to stick up for Enciala there on that one. Greg, yeah, it's just umpires calling it, Dave. It's the uh, cricket; they'll just back the referee, regardless. We're talking about VAR, whether yeah. it would, whether it would um, overturn it or not. Um, so hopefully, these things even themselves out, and we get one in four weeks' there time. When it's nil nil after eighty minutes against Sunderland at home, and yeah, you know, they can they can be as magnanimous as we are when we get given it. And the two men in the stadium, Seb. Uh, at the time, I was astonished when it happened in real time. I don't know what you thought, Dave. I couldn't work out what he'd given it for at first. But then when you when you look at the freeze frames, I guess the arms are unnatural. And, and because it doesn't really matter, I don't think anyone's that that fussed about it. Had that been the winning goal, obviously, Christ, we'd, we'd be going about it for days and weeks on end. But at that point, it, <laughs> like, like Joe said, it, it, it is game over. And looking back on it, the hand is unnatural. But at the time, it was I, I was astounded. Dave, last word on that. Not a penalty in a million years. The Lord's an ass. <laughs> The law's an absolute ass, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's the other Craig. argument, isn't it? I wouldn't even the, got, the law is wrong. That was comfortably yeah. missing all three stumps, Craig. Comfortably <laughs> missing all three well, stumps, mate. Mikey, on your point on the law, is there not a space for an indirect free kick in the box for that? If it is not a deliberate handball, but it has hit his arm in an unnatural position and the ball's not going in the goal. With that, aren't you? Sorry, Joe, go on. You almost get into like hockey with that as a sort of like a short corner as opposed to a penalty short flick where. If it hits your feet, it is a foul, regardless of how deliberate or undeliberate it is. But a short corner is a lot less likely to score from. It exactly. just seems that yeah, like the, crime, pe- the penalty kick is a when when they were bringing it in, when it was almost if the ball hits your arm, regardless of the situation, it just didn't work because a penalty is such a big point seven seven, such a big award, isn't it? And I don't know. It just seems I'm still not. I'm still not convinced Lee Evans would miss the first man with a short corner. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Do you remember our indirect free kick at Sunderland last season? Oh, gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there gold. you go. Hopefully, we've played every side of the debate. So whatever you think, one of us has said <laughs> what you think. Therefore, the podcast as a whole is right on this because we've literally played out every possible scenario. Unfortunately, the scenario for um, Ipswich is a 2-0 defeat. Let me just uh, throw up the numbers real quick and we'll get your final thoughts. Uh, 61% for Town on the possession, 13 shirts to 10 in Town's favour, four shots to two on target in Town's favour. Oh, six corners to five in Sunderland's. But I don't like that one there. Three big chances to one in Sunderland's favour, yes, I understand the the penalty classes as a as a big chance that maybe was created in a slightly spurious way. Um, let's just quickly go back to David and um, Seb. Seb, final thoughts? It was a carbon copy of the game two years ago. Dominated the first half. And if you don't take your chances, then you're always liable to, to mess things up in the second half, aren't you? They were absolutely there for the taking. Should have been a couple of goals up at half-time. And had we been, I think we'd have seen it out quite easily, to be honest. David? Yeah, pretty much the same. Very disappointing. Yeah, uh, we score, they fold, and we probably win that 2 or 3-0. One observation I would make, George Edmondson has going to be an absolute beast of a player for us. Absolute, what well, he is already. And if, yeah. there's a better, if there's a better defender in League One, well, he must be one hell of a player. He was outstanding again yesterday. Let's go to Ben's Swingometer, part two. So sharpen your brains up right now. Uh, we'll go in a different order for Ben's swing on it this time. So we're going to go with Dave first, because I know he loves these questions and makes me explain them 10 times. But we've already established that Ipswich are 25 places lower than the end of podcast weekend number one. But if we factor in Luton Town, what is the total swing between Ipswich's drop and Luton's increase? So <laughs> add the two together as in a minus and a plus, add them together. It's a big number. Um, and um, tell us what the swing between Ipswich and Luton since the final whistle on podcast day one is they, Dave. They may, have even been, they may have even been non-league then. Were they? Were they? Were they been? Maybe I'm going to help. Um, they're in League 2. Sorry, sorry, only 2. 20, uh, 58. 58, Seb? Yeah. 69. Joe? Oh, my number's come out at 68 as well. So, um, 72. Uh, Craig? 62. Um, Richard? 66. Mikey? 69. Who, who said 72? 72. Me. Joe Fares is the closest, and this is going to make you cringe a little bit. Wow. So, on August but the 9th... I'll tell you what also happens, though, with Luton, is we, we play them one season, and we send the reserves out and knock them out <laughs> of the league. Beat <laughs> Oh, and, then a, yeah. and then a couple of years later, they sent the reserves out and beat us. Yeah, wow. sensational. So, on August the 9th, 2015, obviously Ipswich were ninth in the championship. Uh, Luton were 13th in League Two after drawing their first game that season. Uh, Luton are 
currently, if I've done my numbers okay. correctly, I think Joe's still going to be close, even though I haven't. They're currently 11th in the championship. So they've gone up 50 places and we've gone down 25. Since the podcast started, ergo, a swing of 75 places in um, the 92. There you go. Um, that was Ben's swingometer. If you never, ever want to hear from Ben's swingometer ever again, um, at Blue Monday ITFC, and you can ban it. Shall we go, as I try and scroll my phone for the questions tweet, shall we go to some questions? Can anyone pad for me quickly? Someone, You ever, you ever thought that our, our demise has been purely down to the Blue Monday podcast? Men- it has come up, up yeah, many times. Up. The many, other thing we do, need to, we do need to mention, sorry to to jump on that point, because I do agree with it, by the way. I often wake up in a cold sweat at night and think about that. We need to talk about one team that did win 2-0 in a big game, and that was ITFC women's team had defeated Southampton in a vital top-of-the-table clash. Um, goals from Natasha Thomas and Zoe Barrett. Um, and they scored at exactly the right times. They scored twice. They held on for a late onslaught. And they now find themselves top of the league outright, even though Southampton have got three games in hand on them. Um, and are set up very well as long as they can maintain their form for um, a, a, a possible punt at promotion. So... Congrats to the ITFC women and Abby Lafayette, sponsored by Blue Monday, an assist and a pre-assist as well. So congrats to them. It's um, not like a McGeady assist, but like a Pritchard a assist. Proper yeah? assist. A proper assist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No okay. loopy nonsense from Abby. She drills it straight in. <laughs> it was such a massive game as well. It's... Because I think Southampton have got quite a superior goal difference to us in the league this year. So had they won today, if if both the teams carried on their form at the end of the season, we'd be needing it, it could have been all over. I know we're playing the penultimate game, but we could have been needing to win that like 14-0 to overtake the goal difference or something silly like that. So such a huge win there. So well done to the girls. Another header from Natasha Thomas as well. She's unbelievable in the air, isn't she? It's great. On that, on that note, Ben, do you remember one of the first pods and I was raving about a player from the opposition and he wasn't even playing that day. It was Luke Freeman. It was Luke Freeman. <laughs> you thought he was still at Stevenage, That's which right. was our second podcast <laughs> game. And I tell you, right, can anyone do it? Who scored a headed goal against Stevenage in the League Cup centre-half? Can anyone get it? Josh Yulworth. Oh, well done, Joe. I didn't think anyone would get that one. Um, in fact, I've got one more quiz question for you. Um, and this will be fastest finger first, Okay. Um, since we've been running the pod, and I can only think of one, which player, and hold your hand up if you know the answer, which player has registered a goal for Ipswich and a goal for Norwich since we've been running the pod? Some blank faces. Dead air. There's a crime. Dead air is always rich. a crime. Is it no goal? Or... I said registered. Oh, I don't know, Tyrone Mings. Have I stumped you all? Yes. I should not read the answer. The it is an own goal, and the answer is Mike Van der Horn of Swansea City, who in the 2018-19 season um, scored an own goal for Swansea against Ipswich and an own goal for Swansea against Norwich. So, unless some clever dick's going to get me on the on the on the Twitter. The only player to register a goal for Ipswich and for Norwich, I say only, the, the only one on my list <laughs> is, is Mike van der Horn. Uh, the Dutch centre-half. A good player, actually. I'm surprised. Went off to um, FC Utrecht. Thought he could have done a, done a job in the championship there, but that's not for this show. Mikey, questions are for this show, and this is Alex Hare. Um, our goal tally is starting to fade um, as a relevant stat now, and the more nuanced issue is the front four don't play as effective in a collective force. Um, do you think it's the right players with the wrong tactics or simply wrong on both counts? Mikey? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you can say it's the wrong the wrong tactics because, because we have scored so many goals over the course of the season and the tactics haven't changed. But I think he is still desperately trying to find that perfect four. And I think Carl Edwards' defensive abilities is what's keeping him in the team at the moment in my opinion I think if we had our most effective players out there he probably wouldn't 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 be out there it'd probably be Selena on the left with Chaplin playing as that secondary striker in behind Bond 
Um, but yeah, it probably does need does need freshening up. And it's a difficult one as well because Wes Burns has been fantastic, but so so is Luco and and neither of them really can play on the other side. So you can't get both of those in the team at the same time. Craig, what do you think on the front four? Exactly that, exactly the same as Mikey, in that we're still seemingly trying to find that right balance of, of personnel, aren't we? And it would be nice if <clears throat> poor old Piggott, Joe Piggott had been knocking down the door and, and desperate you know, to be to be needing a start or you know, starting ahead of Bond. As Rich says that you know Bond's been off the boil slightly in the last two or three, four matches, understandably, you know. Um it'd just be nice to bring in and have the tr- and for Cook to have the trust in Piggott to be able to start start a match as a as a like for like replacement as we are, you know, capable of doing in the in the three behind. Um I say it'd just be nice to get Burns back. We just need a bit more directness. I think I think that's what we missed at the weekend, although albeit Luco played well, but he does just he stops it, doesn't he? He stops play a little bit, he drifts inside a little bit rather than getting around the outside and getting those crosses in from which we have been relatively successful. When you said he stops playing drifts inside, I thought of Jack Grealish then, and I thought that's okay. But I assume you mean it in a slightly different way. Well, it is kind of that, that is it, like <laughs> we're we're comparing Ipswich players in League One <laughs> to elite Premier League players again. But it is a similar way of playing out on the the out on the wing, isn't it? He's he's almost like to use a basketball term. He's almost like a point guard. He's there to slow it down and actually look up and create space for everyone else. It's similar to it's what not... similar to what Fraser would do on the left hand side, really. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Um, Richard, I'll fire this one to you. Uh, flim Flam Film Fan. Ah, when you actually read the letters, it makes it makes sense. Um, do you think town players suffer an overconfidence in their teammates' ability? By which I mean, do they sometimes overcomplicate things like the final ball and rely on others to get them out of trouble? And I'll I'll parlay into that. Paul Cook wants rehearsed goals that are practiced more than off the cuff goals I, I think you would agree is that is that where the question is going to yeah maybe so I mean we I recall being really impressed actually with the first behind the scenes training video when Cook came in telling people where to stand wasn't he um so I agree with you there that I assume that a lot of our attacking plays are drilled and there are players in there um who possibly think they might know best or you know I, I don't want to pick on Selena because we we've been a bit down on him today and he's Oxford, the off-the-cuff player, though, isn't he? But he is, he is exactly right. And when it works, he's unbelievable. And he's a different class in this division. That changed the game against Wickham, him playing off the cuff in it the did. first half when it swung, yep. didn't it? Absolutely did. And, and Fleetwood, you know, he, he, he came on, kind of caused a little bit of confusion with our own players, but then was in the right place at the right time and has that instinct. So when Selena's top of his game, he brings everyone along with him. When he's not, things start to fall apart. And so I don't want to pick on him. But I think there's something in that. It's interesting that Cook doesn't change the team though, because Connor Chaplin is the alternate, and he's a Cook guy, isn't he? He's one of his one of his one of his guys. And um, if he wanted that discipline, then he'd be playing Chaplin, isn't he? He's not. So I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thought. I don't really know if I've answered the question. I think I have. Interesting, actually, interesting actually, Rich. I was, the, the guys from the the Sunderland podcast are saying that every time Chaplin plays against them, he has an absolute belter of a game, whether that been for Coventry or for Portsmouth or for whoever. Said he always, always plays well against them as well. Dave, I'd just be interested in getting your take in the off the cuff versus rehearse debate, because I bet you're in the off the cuff camp. But I saw Bournemouth score a goal today that was literally out of a training man. You could, you could literally see it drawn and um, very, very effective. But um, it does seem to be um, the way they're headed, doesn't it? Yeah, and, it, and you're right. He is that player that can give you that, as I alluded to earlier. He has got that bit of, cl- you know, that extra bit of class about, and we all know that. But it's just the last two games. Well, did he hold him? I didn't see. But the last two games, you know, the Oxford game last week just wasn't quite on it. We said on the pod, he just wasn't quite there. And yesterday, again, similar, you know, just... One or two bad decisions, you think, OK, let's put the chances to one side. Because like I said, he, he, he probably hits them too sweetly. He scuffed one, he, he scores. He's, at least he's in those positions, you know. So, yeah, he is he is a sort of bit of a, what you describe him as, a potential talisman. To, well, and potentially, look, he's probably the best player in the division, potentially. Just hasn't quite showed it yet for me. Not yet. Um, this question takes us quite nicely to the next game, Joe. This is Steve. Um, who looks very much like a Rotherham fan following us. Um, 
Batten down the hatches and get your tin helmets on, lads. The Millers are on their way. And um, at League One level, um, they're pretty good, aren't they, Joe, on Tuesday night? Yeah, it's, in- it's interesting. I was speaking to someone in the game recently, and, th- and they were saying that the difference between the Championship and League One, the biggest difference is that just the physicality of the leagues, yeah. just the athleticism, and ha- just that step up is just huge now. And if you listen to... I think Rotherham went to Cambridge on Saturday, beat them. And Mark Bonner, after the game, was just talking about their sort of physicality, their athleticism, their speed. Their, that they're, they're basically a championship team, a low-end championship team in League One now, I think, aren't they? They were very unlucky last year not to stay up, I thought. And had I think it sort of came down to just having a really, really tough run of fixtures where they had to play something like 10 games. They played eight games. They played, sorry, they played four games in eight days at, at one point, yeah. Yeah. And they had the most COVID cancellations of any team in the championships. Well, yeah, right? no, I, th- I think they are a good side. They've, they've lost a couple, but yeah, they are and they are absolutely purring at the moment, aren't they, when you, when you look at their form recently. And it's a really, really tough game. And I think if we don't, if we don't come out of this week with six points, I think we're going to be in a really tough position in the league you look at the you look at the league table and we're seven points off six even though six have got two games in hand and us seven points off fifth we've got a game in hand on us 10 points off fourth i say without like i say without winning tomorrow or tuesday we're, we're in i think we're in sort of in a real real tough position for the playoffs and we, we, we could be at christmas or 12 13 points off the playoffs if we don't start picking up wins from from where we are and you look at the People sort of isolate this run of fixtures as where we need to start wicking, picking wins up, and we've sort of won one, lost one, drawn one, and now we've got Rotherham, probably the toughest of the games in it. And but then, would it surprise anyone if we beat Rotherham three 0 on Tuesday? <laughs> I, I don't think it would because I think we're. So, I'll take that surprise. But yeah. I think we're, we're so um, not, well inconsistent is one word, but you just don't know what team is going to turn up, and you see some of the performances we put in, and they're really good. But Rotherham, I. Not looking forward to that, and I worry. I worry what that league table is going to look like come because our game is on Sunday this week. I worry what that league table is going to look like come sort of Sunday morning. Indeed, I've got um, four little bits for you, Ben. If you want, just, yeah, to, just to illustrate how <laughs> how scary Tuesday is. Um, Rotherham won three <laughs> one yesterday with their leading scorer, Michael. Is it Michael Stewart? Suspended. Michael Smith. Michael Smith, twelve goals. Second best Michael Smith on this podcast. Yeah, exactly right. Um, he was suspended yesterday, so they didn't need him and still beat. Cambridge comfortably. Most shots in the league taken, least shots conceded in the league, and 11 undefeated at the moment. So, Can you um, correct for headers on most shots? That might make I, that stat look better. <laughs> I might need to come back to you on that one. But yeah, I, I, I think, had a quick nose on who scored and scared myself, really. So yeah, and I think someone, no said, someone said they conceded five goals in their last 10 league games, I think, as well. Yeah. So. I think four of them were against Fleetwood, weren't they? Or is that where you're stat there. Yeah, it might have been just a thought after that. But Started. so yeah, we might we may well score three, but we'd need to have at least three shots. <laughs> Seb, anything on Rotherham? Uh just like everyone said already, you know, it's uh, we have to start winning these games because of the awful start we had. That's the problem. You know, and if, if we get a decent start to the season, the point against Oxford last weekend is okay. I guess you kind of accept an unlucky defeat at Sunderland because you know you're not playing this 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 massive catch up that we are doing and at some point we're gonna have to start beating these sides to drag them back down. But Rotherham are so schooled at this level. I think on the on the first pre-match show of the of the season, I predicted them for the title because they are just so schooled at this level. And 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 like we might beat them three 0 but if I was a betting man, I'd probably predict another one or two 0 loss personally. And I think for the first time in about five hundred episodes, there, Joe tried to do the proper continuity that he was actually speaking on a Monday because we, we we don't really do that. It's quite a badly named podcast, this actually, <laughs> isn't it? Considering it's like recording on some. Sunday and a Wednesday and, and a Thursday every week. But there we go. Um, I was taught when I was younger, um, don't break your arm slapping yourself on the back. So tune out now if you don't want any of that stuff. But we're just going to celebrate um, 500, well, 502 um, episodes. We asked for um, some memories here. Um, this is from David. Um, and Dave, this is a bit of a bad memory for you. Ben having to dissect the loss to Norwich the same weekend that Dave hurt himself cycling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was that was the Norwich game. We um, I was watching secret, hospital, awaiting my operation. I, it was, I, was Madison. The, 
I was, was a Madison the, goal. I was yeah. on the point of firing you then. I thought that was a distinct <laughs> lack of commitment. Not to... my arm was literally hanging off on that Sunday until he repaired it on the Monday. It literally was. And um, yeah, I remember watching it in uh, in my hospital bed as Madison drilled that one in from the edge of the box. Oh, stop it, yeah. um, Richard. <laughs> can you address the 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 thing, Quark? Think what? Yeah. Well, I've. I do like business BS terms. <laughs> I like to, you know, run some ideas up the flagpole and see who salutes. And You're going to listen to some Lee Johnson press conferences. Hey, <laughs> you just beat us, Craig. <laughs> yeah, I need to find that Lee Johnson training video from Marbella or whatever it is. That's yeah. brilliant. It's Brent. Yeah, but it's every now and then we like to fry some stuff in the think walk, you know, and <laughs> see what quality stuff comes out. Um, Richard, also pertaining to you, would you like to tell us about your tantrum in Frankie's and Benny in Be- Frank- Frankie and Benny's in Oxford? Yeah. So the the key, if you ever book a table, <laughs> is is make sure you all arrive at the same time. And I don't arrive first. Arrive early, like an hour early, and finish before you even arrive. Yeah. I've, I mean, well, I've got over it, but thanks for bringing it back up, Steve. Asso. I, that well, therapy actually, it's funny really you well. should say that. I didn't bring it up. Um, Andrew um, oh, brought it up. Is, was it Andrew? I thought it was Seabass, but I might be wrong. Oh, no, sorry, Seabass. There you go. Um, uh, Mikey, um, just tell us about your um, podcast journey and how you got involved. Well, I, I failed to deliver on all of the promises that I made, didn't I, Ben? I, <laughs> I, I sort of pitched myself as the guy that was going to interview podcasters from opposition teams. And we and, stopped uh, doing did that, it a didn't we? Of times. That was way too much effort, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> After the was using yeah. Windows, <laughs> a Windows 95 laptop as well with the worst editing software in the world. So, yeah, it was a. I think you thought, oh, here's Mikey. He works in sports media. He'll be he'll be a, a really good addition <laughs> for all of the editing and all of that stuff. But I was absolutely useless because uh, I was. But you're almost really the, you're old. almost the perfect addition then in the context of the team we cover, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good on paper. Yeah. <laughs> good history. <laughs> yeah, great history. Good on paper. Um, talks good game. But I think ultimately, I, I think actually, sure. Mikey, we should have a debate on your new boots, mate. I'm loving your new your new boots. You need to tell yeah, us what they are, yeah. Mikey. They're Puma Kings. Oh. Um, yeah. Now I'm oh. now I'm in my thirties. I've uh, decided to God. get some Puma Kings. Get some real boots. Um, yeah, yeah dress, they're, the dress for the they're the football you equivalent. Of, they're the football equivalent of Ben's stage Cuban heels. <laughs> do, you, do, they'll do well to be that. You get. You asked me if I'd retired those Cuban heels. Um, Joe, how, I don't remember. How did you get involved? Um, I can't remember really. It seems so long ago, but I think we just had a long chat on the phone one day, didn't we? About about. Did it, I and then... dominate seventy three percent of the conversation? Yeah, yeah. I, I think like it was. It. it was a good. It was basically a podcast. It, it sort of. <laughs> it needed to be released, but it's been a. Well, it's did, been he, about did he say I need now. someone to help me with that idiot Dave? Did he say that? No, I do remember that Ben did ask me if I was available the day when you broke your arm when it was just the two of you. Oh, now it's coming out. But I was about eight points All deep right, at this CNN. Point. And I thought for sort of my debut on the podcast, I probably shouldn't do it at this stage. So I've been in the pub since about half eight that morning because it was an early kickoff. And Craig, um, how many times have you threatened to quit over me deliberately mispronouncing your surname? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've taken it, taken it all in my stride now. I just take it in, in the in the spirit it's been uh, it's been offered. He's now changed it by deed poke. <laughs> spelling, although the spelling's the same. Yeah, B O U G H is now the new spelling. Um, and Seb, Seb, were you the last one in? I'm not sure. I think me and Craig joined about the same time. I think there was a season, wasn't there, where we had a whole host of games up in the north and you guys looked at a fixture list and sort of went, sod that, we're not travelling that far up. So let's get ourselves a, a northern <laughs> correspondent to uh, to tackle those horrible away days in horrible, horrible towns. I think a, a lot to do with my having to get up at 4.50am every morning and having zero time to do anything at any point. But hey-ho, thanks to COVID, I don't have that job anymore. Every cloud. Um, and David Diamond, podcast legend in from um, day one. Your reflections on 500 episodes. Yeah, amazing, really. It's just great that the other guys have sort of come on board to allow us to have that continuity because it was turning in at one point, turning up and out at one point to be a 
continuity nightmare, wasn't it? I mean, with and we're ending up you were you were performing all over Europe and stuff like that, and we were um, getting delayed at airports, fog bound and stuff like that, and we were recording pods at five thirty on a on a Monday morning around your flat, <laughs> things like that. Well, would so, you um, believe this was before? remote recording and stuff i yeah, was driving we did it all yeah couldn't i was do driving it remotely, from london to ipswich to record a podcast which would be madness. unheard of absolute now, so. madness wasn't it but, but yeah who would have thought it but no it's great but loved every go. minute of it we'll give a very gushing thank you to um obviously all of the guys on the screen now who are all a great part of the blue monday podcast but of course um well no that's not strictly true it wouldn't be nothing without you and look podcasters get a bit of stick for thinking that they know more than other fans. We don't think that. Frankly, we would still be having these conversations without hitting the record button or putting them out because that's what football fans do and that's what we do every single week. And we thank people profusely, especially if you've lasted, how many years is it now? Six years or whatever, 500 episodes. There's probably somebody out there who's listened to every single episode. And I think it's very apt. Joe, you're on most of them now, aren't you? I think it's very apt... That we've lost, you know, we've we've lost the kind of difficult game, you know, that really would have been quite exciting if we'd won. On well, we're celebrating our 500 <laughs> episode. I think that sums up the first um, the first six years. So we do thank um, everybody for listening, and um, I think that's just about the show. Um, Richard, can you just quickly pod the um, interview with the author of the Paul Mariner biography, please? Yeah, uh, and Mark Donaldson, it's still available. The book is now available in the shop as well, and we've put a link out. Um, but Mark will be in Planet Blue. I think it's quarter to six for about an hour or so before the Rotherham game. And I'm sure if our pod is anything to go by, happy to chat as well. Um, he was brilliant. <laughs> I just turned up and, as you said, press record and um, heard fascinating insights about how the book was created, but also stories about Ipswich Town days for, for Paul Mariner that... You know, none of us probably would have heard if the book hadn't come out and um, even more poignant because of his sad passing as well. So go and um, have a chat with Mark on Tuesday. And if you want to listen to our pod, available still on the feed, um, YouTube and podcast in the usual places, I can actually, there you go, there's a website, bluemondayitfc.co.uk, all the details there. And Seb, you're going to be back at the weekend talking about uh, crew. Yeah, crew obviously yeah, being a Sunday game. Yeah, Sunday game this time. So we're still debating, aren't we, if we do it live Friday night or live Saturday night? But we'll uh, we'll, we'll 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 get the logistics together and, and yeah, Sunday afternoon kick off. And, and like Joe says, hopefully by that point we're going to be looking at four to six points. Brilliant stuff, right? I need a pithy last word from each of you, Mikey Penty Smith. Get me out of here! <laughs> he wants to go watch TV, Richard. I haven't got anything apart from thanks, everyone. I've, it's, it's great. Here's to five hundred more. <laughs> wow. We, we better have finished in, in the, the Premier League any division by then, I tell you. Uh, Craig? Well, that was going to be my, my question, actually. 500 gone, 500 to go. So let's quick calculate what, three and a half? From we, where will we be? Tw- end, of, end of 2024, summer of Ninth in League One. We'll be, we'll, be the, we'll, be, we'll be in the middle <laughs> of League One. We've been, been where in between, though? We'll be in the middle of League Two saying, oh, oh yes, relegation has been a good thing for the club and we'll just have a, <laughs> this is a transition season and we'll see me back in the, see me back We've in League One. We've got to go to Forest Green Rovers once, yeah. Yeah, it's a good result at um, uh, uh, Forest Green and at yeah. Paul Hurst, he was always a good manager when we're coming up against him um, for Grimsby or whoever. Joe, any last words from you? I just can't get, I can't quite get the joke to work, but something about a Proclaimer song, isn't it? Where Richard is oh. talking about 500 pods and 500 more, but so oh, my, my pithy comment is a joke that I can't get to work because my head is in a fuzz. Yeah, you just got to get Letter from America into the um, into the punchline somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there. That's a joke that only Dave got. There we go. Um, <laughs> Seb, oh, Craig got it, Pop Master yeah. Head. No, great. Yeah, let's um, let's hopefully have a decent end to this season and, and see where we are in 500 pods time. I'm, I'm going to guess bottom of the championship. Right now, being these guys are belligerent and don't do as I say, I'll try and set this up in the most obvious terms. That's going to let Dave say a particular word and then Mikey say a particular phrase. I've got a couple of. I've just got a couple of okay. things to say. I've got a couple People of only want to hear you say crap, by the way, Dave. Well, I, know, I know what you want to hear me say. say. There was two things from yesterday. One, and um, Seb will be blissfully unaware. I had a partridge moment with Seb. 
Didn't see Seb yesterday until he was walking out of the stadium beneath me, walking out of the um, out <laughs> of the bed. And I was, Seb, Seb. And my mate said, Are you shouting at Seb? And I said, Yeah, you can't hear me. So he said, Seb can't hear me. And I heard the best comment in Durham last night. We were out and we bumped into a few Sunderland fans, two or three Sunderland fans. And one was slightly worse to where he said, Hey, Ipswich, he said, You're a canny side, he said, but you were all fart and no shite. <laughs> 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 and shite is another word to describe Dave crap <laughs> Mikey finish it off be wish what you're careful for It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.